From the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, dancers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome co-founder and executive director of the Dance Project for Washington Heights, Heather Godfrey. Heather has been teaching dance and working with children over 20 years. After moving to New York City to attend Barnard College, where she earned her BA in dance, Heather went on to pursue a career in musical theater for nearly 10 years. Highlights of her performing career included the national tour of the Will Rogers Follies, West Side Story, Damn Yankees, and Fiorello. She has combined her passion for dance, performance, children, and her love of the Washington Heights area through the creation of Dance Project of Washington Heights. It's a nonprofit dance organization she co-founded that provides access to dance education to the Washington Heights community. We're going to talk all about it, but first, um, we welcome you, Heather, to In What Works On Air. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Sure thing. Um, so, um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am in love with New York City, you know, happy to be coming back a lot of exciting things going on kids are going to be vaccinated so i think there's a lot of things on the horizon so i'm excited that's big news for your company very big news very big news since we work with children yes. um and we were remote from march 2020 until august of 2021 um and really glad we were able to continue that way but it's really time for us to be back and kids really need to be back together. So um, we have been holding in-person classes, but as you can imagine, it's a big, uh, it's a big responsibility and a worry that we have because most of our students are under 12. So while of course we're keeping them masked and socially distanced, it's, uh, it's going to be wonderful to have a little more um, you know, sense of security with kids being able to get the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and a big relief for parents as well. Absolutely. Uh, which are the people, the gatekeepers to the children. Exactly. Uh, who you must work with as well to make, create that safe environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I can't even imagine, I mean, all of us did. We all had to find a way to keep our companies alive. Um, and I mean, you have, you've had so much time going virtual and trying to engage i mean that, that was the big i mean correct me if i'm wrong but that was the big challenge right to keep your mm -hmm. children and parents community engaged with what you're doing virtually. it was and yes how was it was um, process it uh you know it went better than i expected actually we were able to keep about 100 kids till the end of the pandemic um but that is a fraction of who we usually have in our classrooms uh, before pandemic, we had anywhere from 350 to 500 kids at a time. And many of our families struggle with things like internet access, with not having the appropriate space in their homes to be able to dance. Um, so a big part of what we needed to do was do a lot of outreach to them. So as soon as the pandemic hit, we were on the phone with every family trying to find out what can we do to keep your child engaged in dance? Um, we stopped tuition payments of all kinds right away. Um, and we also wanted to know what else do you need help with? Because as you know, this area was really hard hit. And a lot of the parents that we work with in our program um, were some of the more hard hit families. So if they're struggling with 
having lost a job, worrying about losing their housing, not knowing where they're going to get food. It's really hard to also focus on getting their kids to join a Zoom class. But we knew that was really important for the kid um, to have that consistency, to have some outlet of expression when they're going through this pretty scary traumatic time. And, um, you know, to continue seeing their dance teacher and their other dance students that they know and recognize and have a little bit of social time with them. Um, and, you know, just to be able to have something that's fun and, and uh, some physical activity too while they were inside. So we were able to actually work with a lot of those families and connect them with other services in the neighborhood, help them find uh, food banks and connect them with, with those, help them connect with NIMIC so that they could, uh, if they ha were having housing insecurity issues, NIMIC could help them with that, and a lot of other um, organizations that could help them with things beyond dance that we weren't qualified to help them with. What I love about your organization, one of the many things I love about your organization is that it transcends just being an arts organization, mm -hmm. is that it definitely the work community of the capital C is involved and mm -hmm. the outreach is there, not just from the personal touch you're talking about, reaching out to families in need and creating a, a, a world of accessibility to retain people um, and their families and giving them that thing to look forward to whenever the class would be scheduled per se. Right. Uh, and, but also too is like also there's a social services aspect to it all as mm -hmm. well, uh, which I think is really personable and professional and, uh, and keeping people um, and not just from a professional, from a uh, uh, professional point of view, from an organizational point of view, but also too, just from a humanitarian effort during a time of need right. in our, in our city, which as you all said, that was fairly well hit up in our neighborhood. Um, and I'm curious now that we've, uh, now that you said that, you know, the kids are getting vaccinated and hopefully the doors are opening up further for more engagement in person, uh, have you seen those hundred kids come out um, and join you and their and their their compatriots and their friends in in real person classes? Yes, we have about um, I think we have eighty kids right now. Um, we're having another challenge in that right before the pandemic, we had to move out of our longtime space. Mm -hmm. So we've been in temporary spaces. And currently, because of the pandemic, the spaces that we're using don't have weekend space available to us. And the majority of our students really need to come on the weekends. So we have some full classes during the week, but we're offering a fraction of the classes that we usually are able to offer. Mm -hmm. So we're really pushing right now to get a new space actually, so we can have a home, so we can have as many classes as we need to, to be able to serve our families um, and to be able to bring those kids back that are, that are weekend only kids. They are the ones traveling from the Bronx, the ones going to charter schools, um, the ones who don't have, who have parents that are working and cannot bring them to an after school class. So in order to really serve all of our families, we're really going to need a space where we can have our weekend classes. And that is the elephant in yes. Washington Heights <laughs> slash yes. Inwood slash Northwest Bronx. The lack of, uh, we'll just call it community space for arts organizations, That's right. whether it's a gallery, whether it's a dance hall or a rehearsal room or a theater or a film uh, theater as far as you know, cinema. That they don't exist for those of you who aren't aware uh, of our of our neighborhood's geography. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it is a quite a challenge when you lose a space to find 
one. Even though it's New York City, you would think you just walk down the block and there's one and you can just kind of knock on their door and rent a space. Right. Not so much the case because, as Heather said, a lot of people who live in Washington Heights and end with the median income is, I'm, I'm not going to get it right, but it's like more in the low 40s, mm -hmm. um, something along that, uh, as far as uh, collectively, if you took the median income of everyone, of like 220,000 people who live in this area. Um, so it is challenging. Um, which is why I want to celebrate Heather um, for I, I had to give her a little bit of a little bit of um, taste of her personal career as a as a dancer uh, as a musical theater because um, I wanted to tell the story of you as a performer segueing into um, creating a company mm. uh, and I think that's uh, what incredible I call it an evolution of one's craft. Uh, to take what you know and bring it and uh, use an apprenticeship in some kind of form and pass it on to the next generation. And so, uh, and also, I want to also put together what you said about, you know, you froze tuition payments, but most people know tuitions pay what you can That's of right. some kind. So, so just for you know, so you, listeners, so you know, Dance Product of Washington Heights is a pay what you can nonprofit dance organization with the mission remove barriers to dance education and build community through dance. So where did that mission come from? That mission has been evolving over time. Um, I think the basic mission when we first started was, was the income, the income barrier that we really wanted to make classes available to all the families who call Washington Heights and Inwood home. And knowing that there were all of these opportunities that were coming up. There's a lot of people coming to the neighborhood and a lot of kids' classes were springing up, but they were pretty expensive. Um, and I had lived here for a long time and I knew that the majority of the families that had been here uh, who were low income would not be able to participate in these activities. So we really wanted a place where everybody could be involved and have it be a diverse community. So that is where the pay what you can model was born. And we thought, okay, we'll just, we'll offer some classes. We can't afford to do it for free because we are also low income artists um, with families, both of us. So we thought, okay, pay what you can. Some of the families who can afford to put in $20 will do that. And then people will pay whatever they're able to. And if you can't pay, that's okay. And in the beginning, it really was just a collection box and people put in whatever, no questions asked. Um, it has evolved since then because as we grew and got to know more of the families in, the, in Washington Heights, it became obvious that the price was not the only barrier. So of course, the next one that was the biggest barrier was the language barrier. And I am very fortunate that I studied Spanish in high school and college. Of course, I am not fluent. I, um, I will be someday. Um, but that did help me to do some outreach and be able to talk to people on the street and, um, you know, invite them warmly in um, broken conversational Spanish. Spanglish is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but my co-founder did not speak Spanish. And uh, we didn't speak, I didn't speak Spanish well enough to be able to translate everything that we needed these parents to understand so we found that we would lose people like anything anytime something changed if we changed the schedule if we had to move to a different location um people would just disappear and we were going crazy how do we keep these kids in our classes and of course the answer to that was well 
they, they need to understand everything that we're telling them. Um, so the focus became bringing in staff members who are fluent in Spanish, who look like the neighborhood, who maybe are from the neighborhood, um, or who at least are from the community. Uh, you know, we have a lot of Dominican um, staff members. So it's not even just the language, it's also feeling like I belong here, you know, that I walk in and I don't feel out of place, like this place isn't for me. So now we have a very diverse staff, a very diverse faculty, and everything that we put out to the public or to our parents is in Spanish and English so that we are assured that everybody understands all the details. Um, and if they don't, they have somebody that they can talk to um, and thoroughly understand what they say. So that's been very important. Um, and then, you know, as we've gone, there's just, there's more barriers. There's more things keeping kids and adults um, from dancing. And so we continue to work on things like that. We're trying to make our classrooms more neurodiverse. Uh, a child on the spectrum walking into a traditional ballet studio may not succeed and may not be welcomed. Um, so we are making it a place where we can give every kid what they need in order to be a part of Dance Project of Washington Heights and be a dancer if they want to. Um, also gender, we we are working really hard to not make uh, gender expectations or gender norms um, something that would keep kids from feeling comfortable dancing. So we don't have a um, uniform and we especially don't do any uniforms that are like gender-based. We don't say, okay, this is what the girls wear, this is what the boys wear. Um, we are trying to train our faculty in this too so that they can kind of break down what they learned as kids and, and say, okay, maybe we don't only teach this movement to the boys and this movement to the girls. We can open this up to the whole class. And, and uh, when we're giving choices, like don't say, okay, the boys do this arms and the girls do this arms. You can give a few choices and everybody gets to choose what they're doing. Um, I knew a child when I was growing up who her sisters, um, excuse me, their sisters were dancing and they did not want to do it. And it turned out that they felt very uncomfortable wearing a leotard, would not do it, and uh, they are trans. And so that person was kept from dance because they didn't feel comfortable having to wear a leotard in tights. And so we're just continuing to make the organization more inclusive um, and always learning you know, what we don't know so that we can make it better. I think it's great. You keep finding these gateways and et cetera. You keep, and I say remove it. The opposite is a barrier. So you're, 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 you're removing barriers, providing gateways to little things such as attire that has been, you know, traditional for many years. Right. When they think we'll see ballet, they think a very certain thing. Um, think jazz, they think a very certain thing. Right. Uh, so I think it's really great. You're saying, listen, just come, just right. come and be you. Right. And, and you, you enjoy it and you experience your way of doing it. But the main thing is encouraging participation that, that keep on finding ways to keep encouraging and, and, and you keep chipping away at the small and large mm -hmm. um, barriers. Uh, and, and that's really just really amazing about your organization. And I have to say about the pay what you can model. Um, it's, 
it's a hyphenated phrase that all at once is thrilling with radical idealism <laughs> and yet strikes fear into the financial managers' <laughs> yes. hearts of all non-for-profit organizations everywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I mean, and I love it. I mean, because uh, I mean, as you well know, this podcast is free. I, I sometimes people sometimes joke with me on the street because we do the free films in the park. We, I think the film festival is the only thing we actually ever charge for, for the most part. We have a free concert coming up. And I feel like it's like we can gold medal in free arts entrepreneurship right. in northern Manhattan. Um, and you're, the, you're right there with us. I mean, because uh, so how are you able to balance uh, putting your executive director hat on big time and whatever right. pants you choose to wear, tutus or whatever, <laughs> guitars or whatever. Uh, you know, how are you able to balance the accessibility with balancing the books? Oh, yes. Well, that's a challenge. Um, I'd be lying if I said it was just, you know. Well, that's not going to be, I say it's going to be easy. No, I'm just it's saying. not easy. Um, I think, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't have a nonprofit background until now. And so I came without a lot of preconceived ideas. And I just, and of course, some of the ideas that I have are pretty idealistic. But um, I've learned a lot as I've gone. And I think having the combination of, uh, I already started this like thinking out of the box. Uh, it's not going to fit the traditional model. And I think that gives me a little creativity and, mm -hmm. and maybe flexibility. And um, I am a risk taker. So I, I want to try something and see if it works and then, and then tweak it. And I think that's what we've had to do with pay what you can. Like I said, when we first did it, it was just past the box. Yeah. And that worked really well when we were very small and everybody everybody knew me and knew um, my co-founder, Susie Dodge. And uh, then as we grew and there was more separation, it wasn't working as well. So we had to tweak it. We had to say, okay, it still needs to be pay what you can. And I'm always coming back to that because I get challenged on it all the time. As mm -hmm. you can imagine, you know, board members with more of a, you know, sustainability focus sure. and all of that, people will c encourage me to, to drop it, maybe just do scholarships. Um, but I am very, very uh, committed to the pay what you can model. We just sometimes have to do it differently. So we eventually asked people to make a pledge and say what they were going to pay. And we then set that as their tuition. So they still have the, uh, the freedom to say what they as a family can afford, but it's not so anonymous where they're just putting it into a box. There's a little bit of accountability, um, which has its drawbacks because then the people who really feel bad about not paying very much still might sort of hang back and not say, I can't, well, we can't really afford it. And we have to do a little more coaching and, mm -hmm. and say, no, we really mean that we want your child here no matter what. And you get to decide how much you can afford. Um, but we do really encourage everybody to pay as much as they can. So if you can afford to pay this, please consider it and and pay this i think you should change it from pay what you can to pay as much as you can yes maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about messaging right yes it is all about and messaging. you still retain you tweak those board members a little bit in the right direction right. um but that is the case and there's uh you're not the only company who is doing this mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. to success, I might add. Um, but it is a challenge, and I wanted to point that out because um, it can, people are hearing this as a theme here of accessibility, the barriers, the, 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 the financial barriers, the um, gender barriers, your geographic barriers, Heather and the whole team at 
dance practice Washington Heights is or keep they keep finding ways and are listening to keep on finding ways to accessible um, to bring kids in and I think that's really great you even just highlighted there it's like it's about being on the right message right saying mm-hmm. no really it is pay what you can yeah. right that's just yeah that's that's the real challenge right right yep and we we do a little more one-on-one sort of counseling with people and say which is hard of course during the pandemic and we'll get back to doing that right. where it's private and you know but they feel they feel welcome no matter what they pay but they also feel like we're expecting you to put in what you can and so also that everybody who's here values what we're offering um, but at the same time i um in my idealistic way i also believe that the whole community should be supporting our children and should be supporting the arts and that uh you know the the payments that are coming from the parents should not be the only thing that's supporting this program. And so, you know, the, the local community businesses put their support in and all of the local institutions and the, the grant makers and that I, we do a lot of fundraising and um, have been very successful with that, with individual fundraising. And the message is always, put in what you can. It's always pay what you can, even with the donations. So people donate $5 and there's 200 of them. And that's a, you know, a significant donation. So we, um, we really try to make everybody feel part of the community. Like they're part of this big project. And, uh, and it's, it's still always challenging, but it's, it's really rewarding. Well, I think it's fantastic. And it's also rewarding to hear that, um, it's not just children you're you're trying to bring in. You also have an array of offerings for adults as That's well. Right. So I want to make sure people are aware of that. Yes. Uh, and, and, and how did that curriculum evolve? Oh well, that evolved. Um, well, when we when we had a, a space that was full time, we had some big studios, and um, honestly, I was thinking a little bit selfishly myself that I I need to dance, <laughs> you know, and I. Uh, can't always afford to take a class downtown and I um, I don't often have the time to go downtown and I know uh, that there's so many dancers up here in the neighborhood um, and because I was a professional musical theater dancer for so long I know what a struggle it is and you need we need to dance you know and and not only professionals but all human beings need to dance and it's really prohibitive to go and take a dance class somewhere um so i we just wanted to expand the mission to include adults and uh to have affordable dance classes that people who live in upper manhattan can take don't have to travel for and can afford i think that's fantastic so you heard it if you want to dance go you're supposed (laughs) to be dancing and it's where you can go um slightly uh different direction but inclusive so it's not just about taking dance it's also showcasing dance as well like you have a great program um to help cultivate for those who may say i'm geez i'm taking all these classes and then i go home and i do roblox for how many hours (laughs) or something like that for the kids maybe the adults too i don't know um uh, so talk about a little bit about your resident ensemble that, that has performed here and wide yes so we have a youth ensemble it's for kids 10 and up and these are students that uh, want to be a little more dedicated and come more than once a week and want to perform so they take their regular classes and then they also come to weekly rehearsals 
and they learn a lot of repertory and then they are ready to perform and mostly we've been performing at local community events which is wonderful because they really get to feel a part of of the community and pe the community gets to know about them and to watch them perform um, we have a lot of community events up here as you know and a lot of performance opportunities so it's been a really valuable experience for them i think i think these kids get more performance experience than a lot of dance students do actually and they had a wonderful uh teacher and director for um, about four years, Gentry George, Gentry Isaiah George, who had his own modern company as well. So he would give them so much great material and he would give them opportunities to dance with his professional company. Unfortunately, he has relocated to Florida. So um, we, we miss him very much, but the, the structure is still there and we will continue to work with this company. And now we're adding a Latin youth ensemble as well. Hey, hey. So that'll be directed by Simena Salgado, who is one of our wonderful, wonderful Latin instructors. Love her. And also has her own company. So there'll be similar experiences for our Latin students to perform as well. And they just performed at the Multicultural Festival, uh, the, the annual New York City Multicultural Festival. So, um, and then I think we'll just continue to start more performance groups because we have many styles of dance. We don't just do ballet. So we want to, it's another barrier, right? Like we don't want to highlight ballet as the only most important form of dance. So we're, we have break dance and we've, we've got a um, really group, great group of break dancers. So we want them to start doing um, breaking battles and yeah, so I uh, will just continue to do to give them performance experiences so they can be the next performers in our city. I just love the fact that you just kind of laid it all out there about how it's also emanating from Washington Heights. That's this right. is emanating from the community and going out. Yes, it's in this community, but it's going downtown. It's mm -hmm. going around. Who knows? Maybe you'll tour it. Uh, but uh, Someday we will. Interstate touring. Yes. Uh, but uh, but I think that is fantastic. And you, you can't be everything to everyone starting off, obviously. Right. But start with ballet and then move to Latin or whatever you can do. Uh, and I just think that's it's, it's really great. Um, to show that presence of not only providing an opportunity for children to perform, um, but you're also um, showing the kids who are in the classes like, hey, that kid was in my class last year or whatever, and now they're performing mm -hmm. in public for people, which is a huge step. It's a huge step to be on stage, quote unquote, wherever you are, um, right. to be out there and, uh, and you know, you kind of, you know, own being the quote, dancer if you right. will instead of, right. instead of taking dancing uh it's a it's a, it's a, it's a it's a quite a gift to give young people i think and give them that experience saying oh this is for me or just and maybe it pushes them to the next level to go on a path like you did mm -hmm. professionally or to, or to or do more in school um or not but it's a uh, it's a wonderful confidence builder and also hey like you said everybody should dance right that's right that's, I think it's. I think it's, so. I am going to go to the personal question because um, you kind of hinted at it too. So, what do you want to do uh, <laughs> as a dancer? Because you're 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 behind um, the desk, uh, but you're also in classes. You teach, and mm -hmm. you know you're out there. So, what about Heather? What does yeah. Heather want to do? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. I I want to be dancing more than I am. Um, I did not do any pandemic classes in Don't my living so room. Sad. It's okay. Um, 
You know, it's really difficult. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. It is difficult being an aging dancer. Um, I am in my 40s and I have a full-time job and two kids and it doesn't feel the same as it did when I was young. And so I cannot just pop into a dance class. Um, It will not feel good in my body. So um, I really am looking to get my life in a place where I can do it more regularly so that I, I don't injure myself if I do decide to go to right. a dance class, you know, and um, really looking forward to having our own space so that we can do these classes again, again, selfishly, so I can participate, Absolutely. so I can dance regularly. Yeah. Well, if you give to yourself, you give to others, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of it, particularly if you're the quote unquote head cheese there. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're, how can you teach a class if you're not feeling up to it, right? Yeah, you're right. That's no, really great. But I have been doing a lot of improving in my living room with my daughter. So <laughs> she is becoming quite the aspiring dancer, and we do some some contact improv together, okay. and it's actually quite wonderful and uh, inspiring. And uh, I think actually it is feeding my soul a little bit. So hopefully um, more dancing will be coming soon. Well, I hope so. And thanks for keeping on bringing dancing coming to Washington Heights and Inwood, Northern Manhattan area, and elsewhere. I will not stop. (laughs) Love it. So, Heather, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on here and for all your contributions to the Uptown community through dance. Thank you so much, Aaron, and to you. What you're doing is is amazing, and I'm really glad to be a part of it. Uh, Before we say goodbye to the listeners, uh, where can people go to find their dance class? (laughs) Um, Of course, to our website, www.danceprojectwh.org. Awesome. Or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. It's Dance Project WH in both of those places. Listeners, you have your instructions. Go (laughs) find those links, and we'll put some in the description of this episode as well. So thanks to Heather Godfrey for joining me on this Artist Spotlighted episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. Like I said, it's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, dancers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment right now, please show us some love. Go to social media and spread the word about Inwood Artworks On Air. You can also go to Apple Podcasts and rate five stars. It really helps. Many thanks to 809 Restaurant and Lounge here on Dykeman Street for hosting us and for also to Heightsites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us also uh, at Inwood Artworks on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and keep all that we do, uh, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks El Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And if you'd like to support Inwood Artworks and all our free programming, you can make a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by Public Funds, the Department of Cultural Affairs, in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>